0: Matthew chapter 16. This morning, pastor is going to preach a message entitled, Living for What Matters. Living for What Matters out of Matthew chapter 16. When you find your place in the word of God, will you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the word of God? Starting in verse number 13, the Bible says, and when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples saying whom do men say that I am the son of that I the son of man am and they said some say thou art John the Baptist some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets he saith unto them but whom say ye that I am and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not Prevail against it. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the redemption that you've given to us so freely. And Lord, I pray as we come to the time of the opening of the word of God, of the time of preaching, Lord, that you will be heard, you will be seen, that you will, you will calm our hearts, calm our minds. Lord, help us to, to hear, open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things. law, Give the words to pastor that he needs to say. Lord, may you be increased this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated.
1: Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor this morning and say, good morning, neighbor. Good morning. Say, I'm ready to hear from God, neighbor. How about you? Hopefully your neighbor answered in the affirmative as well. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hear from God today. I'm asking God to stir my heart. I, I do. I love the new year thing. I am excited about all that God has before us. I I enjoy the season of evaluation. I I enjoy the the season of adjustment, if you would. You know, it's an opportunity for us to get back to placing an emphasis on that which really matters, on that which is important. Now, I mentioned Wednesday night. I think you ought to do this personally. I, I think you ought to evaluate. I think you ought to work to continue to grow. A little participation here, all right? Everybody ready to participate? How many of us have made some have set some sort of goals for this year? How many of us? How many of us would say, "All right, hands down," that I've set some sort of health goal for this year? See a few hands. My hands up. Since Timothy's been born, I've put on a, a, a good unhealthy twenty-five pounds. You're going to see the blue suit a lot. It's the only one that fits at this point. That's total transparency. But We'll get there, amen? So we can rejoice together when I come back in wearing the black suit. Uh, We can rejoice together in that. But I got some goals there. How many of us, all right, participation time, say we've got some financial goals this year. Now keep those hands up. If you're married and your spouse has their hand up, you should have your hand up too, all right? That is a helpful hint. If your spouse's hand's up, you sh- your hand should be up. How many say, I've got some relationship goals this year. Maybe I'm going to date my spouse uh, more. Maybe we're going to whatever. Again, not, not very many. Okay, we got some. If, again, this is one of those. If your spouse's hand's up, you probably should have your hand up too. Be a good idea. How many of us have some spiritual goals this year? I'm going to tell you, every born-again child of God should have their hand up on that one. We ought to be growing spiritually, amen? Have some spiritual goals. I want to encourage you, whatever your goals are this year, write them down. Make them visible. Track your progress. It is good to grow. It is good to grow. We ought to grow until that moment when our eyes open in the presence of the Lord Jesus and we awaken His likeness. It is only at that point that we can probably be satisfied. Until then, let's press towards the mark, amen? Now, it's important that we do this as a church as well. That we evaluate, that we adjust, that we stay focused on what really matters. Now, I preached a little bit on how we want to do this on Wednesday night. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't able to be here Wednesday, Wednesday is a pretty important message because it teaches us how we want to do this. So if you weren't here, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to track it down, the website, sermon audio. Uh, listen to Wednesday night. Give it a listen. It'll be a help. Because, honestly, guys, so much that's out there is just plain empty. And so I want to consider this morning from the words of Jesus about living for what matters. So let's look at Matthew 16. We'll pick up in verse 13, and Liz, we'll read down through verse 16 if that works. The Bible says, When Jesus came to the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, some say that uh, thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, whom say ye that I am? Would you read verse 16 in unison with me? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Living for what matters. Number one, we see this morning the message that matters. The message that matters. The message that matters is simply this. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. There is no message that matters more than that. The message that matters is that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The message that matters is that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Sovereign King of Heaven. And earth. Church, that is the message that matters today. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In Acts 4 and verse number 12, the Bible reminds us that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Philippians 2, beginning in verse number 9, teaches us this, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted Him, and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Church, hear me, in 2023, there's a lot of noise out there. But the message that matters is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, there are all sorts of opinions out there, aren't there? In Jesus' day, there was too. Some considered him John the Baptist because of the content that he preached. Some considered him Elijah because of the courage that he preached it with. Some considered him Jeremiah probably because of the compassion that he had. Some considered him a prophet because of his character. You look at all of the opinions of Jesus, and I notice one thing they have in common. They consider Jesus to be good, but the type of good that they could be comfortable with. They're the type of good that they could conceivably have in common. But Jesus is not the kind of good that you and I can be comfortable with. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now the world still has many opinions about who Jesus is. The world is still trying to make Jesus common and comfortable. And by the way, the more they do it, it's becoming more and more blasphemous and vulgar. You want to be sad sometime, go to YouTube and listen to people's opinions about who Jesus is and what Jesus stood for. It'll make you sad, it'll make you mad, and everything in between. We were watching one of the football games on uh, New Year's Eve. Sorry to bring that up. but uh, And I noticed on a banner in the background, I don't know if anybody else noticed it was the statement, he left it all on the field. Jesus gets us. And I said, did that say what I thought it said? And dad's got one of those fancy TVs, so he paused it and rewinded it. You know, I can't do that, but he can. Good for him. And sure enough, the banner said, Jesus left it all on the field. He gets us. I thought to myself, well, that's not okay. Boy, we're going a long way to make Jesus just look like one of the guys. Make him common. Make him comfortable. But that's about as mild as it gets when you look at the uh, world's opinions on who Jesus is. You know, Some consider him a social justice warrior and a, an apologist for, 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 for sin. He is a forgiver of sin, but, but he is not an apologist for sin couple of weeks ago, a Cambridge professor, that's the uh, fancy smart people over in England, one of the Cambridge professors preached a sermon, all right, buckle up. Preached a sermon in which he spent some time talking about, quote, Jesus' trans body. It's, it's, Again, you want to get mad, you want to get sad, go to the internet. But you know, here's the good thing. The opinions about who Jesus was don't matter. Because God's not taking a Twitter poll to try to figure out who Jesus is. Jesus isn't who we want him to be. Jesus isn't who we fashion him in our mind to be. Jesus is who He is. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. I'm going to tell you, when it comes to who Jesus is, this is the message that matters. And when it comes to this, I want to challenge you this morning personally, because I wonder, in in this room, I have no doubt that that there are some here who, who have never come to that place where they have received the Lord Jesus as their Savior. But when it comes to Jesus, you really only have three options. Either he was a liar, because he openly said, I am the Son of God. He, he said, I am. He, he made himself equal with God. So number one, he's a liar. And if he's a liar, you need to run, and you need to be mad. Because if he's a liar, then he has continued to deceive people. Out of time, out of treasure, out of passion, out of energy. So he could be a liar. He could also be a lunatic. He could have genuinely believed that he was God, but not been God. And by the way, if that's the case, run. Run. Could you imagine somebody down in Clyde Park? claiming to be God and trying to feed thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes and trying to, trying to tell lame men to rise up and rock and, and interrupting funerals and trying to get dead people out of the casket. Could you imagine somebody trying to do that? You know, he could have been a lunatic and truly believed it, but not been. If that's the case, run. Run and be sad. Because that's sad when, when people are deluded like that. But either he was a liar He is a lunatic, or he is who he says he is, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if that's the case, and by the way, that is the case, you need to run to him and receive him. Church, this is the message that matters. You say, preacher, why? You know, there are a lot of crazy issues in this world. I won't get into it. I mean, again, you want to see the crazy issues in the world, go to the internet. We, we have issues in the government. We have issues in families. We have issues in culture. We have, we have issues globally. We have so many issues in this world. I don't always know what those issues are. And by the way, I can't address every issue anyways. Could you imagine if all I did was stand behind the pulpit and try to speak to the issues of the week? By the way, some pastors do. We try to keep it here, but I don't always know what the issues are, and I can't always address every issue individually. But here's the reality. I can address every issue comprehensively. His name is Jesus. Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. He is the answer. He is the answer to your problem. He is the answer to you being free from that sin. He is the answer to healing the hurt you have gone through. He is the answer to restoring broken relationships. He is the answer to making a difference in this world. He is the answer to unity and peace and love and forgiveness. He is the answer. He is the answer. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ. The son of the living God. And so church, I want to challenge us this year. Let's live for what matters. Oh, we can talk about this issue and that issue and this issue and that issue. And we can struggle here and struggle there. And we're going to deal with stuff as we go. But you know what matters? You know the message that matters is that Jesus is the Christ. The son of the living God. It is still that simple we recognize him for who he is that we receive him for who he is and he will change your heart and he will change your family and he will change this country Jesus said in John 10 in verse number 10 the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy but I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly Jesus said in John 8 in verse number 12 I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light Of life, and this is the message that matters, and this message cannot fail. The message that matters Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I want you to see what else Jesus gives us here. You still with me this morning? Say amen. Verse number 17, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus not only shows us here the message that matters, Jesus shows us the mission that matters as well. Here we find the mission that matters, and that's simply this. See, I'm giving you answers all at the beginning. The message that matters is that Jesus is the Christ. The, message, the mission that matters is that Christ has promised that he will build his church. That's the mission that matters. Christ has promised that he will build his church. By the way, I'll pause here and mention as well, Christ did not promise to build a lot of stuff that we put a lot of emphasis on. He didn't promise to build our life of comfort. He didn't promise to build our life of safety. By the way... In the years to come, we may, uh, if things continue in the trajectory that they are headed, we may, as the church of Jesus Christ, have to forfeit a good deal of our comfort and safety. And if it comes to that, that's okay. We will gladly take up our cross and follow Him. He didn't promise to build our comfort. He didn't promise to build our safety. He didn't promise to build our finances. He didn't promise to build our career trajectory. He didn't promise to build our health. By the way, you go to a lot of other places, and they will tell you, Jesus just wants you to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, he wants you to be wise, but he really didn't promise any of those other things in this life. Christ has promised to build his church. Now, let me give you a note here, okay? When, Because this is a very misunderstood concept by a lot of people. When Christ says that upon this rock will I build my church, this rock is not Peter. It's not Peter. The rock is not Peter, but the proclamation about Jesus Christ. The rock is not the man, but the message. See, here's what Jesus was doing here. The word Peter, it means rock, but a specific kind of rock. It means a rock like, like loose gravel or, or pebbles. Little, little insignificant things that can get tossed around by just about anything. But then when Jesus says upon this rock, he uses a completely different word that means the idea of a huge boulder or cliff, something that is firm and immovable. So Jesus says, yes, you are Peter, loose little pebbles, but upon that rock, upon that cliff, that crag, that immovable rock. That I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I will build my church. It's a play on words. So we do it in English too. I, I got a couple here for you this morning. Uh, the, the player wondered why the baseball was getting bigger than it hit him. <laughs> Ronnie, here's one for you, my friend. The golfer brought an extra pair of pants in case he got a hole in one. One more, alright? So the opposite of pro is con. Could it be that the opposite of progress is I'll, let, I'll leave that one there. I'll leave that one there. But it's a play on words, right? And we understand this. That's what Jesus was doing here. Peter is a loose stone or pebble. This is a cliff. A huge, firm, immovable structure. This Rock is Jesus. He's the one. And Peter knew this. Peter talked in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at but he, look what Peter said about this, beginning in verse number 5. He said, Ye also, as lively stones, we're, we're all little rocks, are, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. Wherefore, Also, it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he that believeth on him. Who is he that we believe on? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Peter knew that he was not that rock. Peter knew that Jesus was the rock. Jesus has promised he will build his church. Now think with me this morning. To build, it it, it denotes that we're going somewhere. That there's a plan. There's a process. There's been some forethought. We've got something to accomplish. We see with the Lord Jesus that he prepared for the church with his doctrine. We see in the book of Acts that it explicitly states that Christ purchased the church with his death. And we see through the epistles and, and even to our modern day that Christ is calling out from the world. And Christ is calling together his people for his purpose. And Christ is doing this work to build his church. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 and verse 10 that we corporately are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Titus chapter uh, 2 and verse number 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse number 4. There is one body and one spirit even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Jump to verse 11 where we see this application that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ Christ is building his church it's what he's doing it's it's the mission that matters this is the mission that matters That we are called out from the world to be his body. We are built to do his business. We We are built to do his business. He is building his church. The church simply is God's people called out for God's purpose. Let me ask you, what is the purpose of Christ? I can think specifically of a few things this morning to seek and save that which was lost. What is the purpose of Christ? To glorify the Father. What is the purpose of Christ? To take the light to the darkness. What is the purpose of Christ? To destroy the work of the devil. What is the purpose of Christ? To live for that which is eternal. Christ is building His church. And so might I simply say this morning, church matters in an age of rugged individualism where we all want to do our own thing and be our own man and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and stand on our own two feet and I don't need no body and I don't need no man and I don't need nothing and I don't need you and I don't need... No, church matters. Church, this is the mission that matters. Church matters because Christ has said, I will build my church. So a couple of points of application. If church matters, and it does. I ask, what, what, what church has God called you out to be a part of? What church has God called you out from the world to be? What, what local church, what local manifestation of his body has God called you to be a part of? I wonder if there's some here this morning, and, and you know what? What? you've attended for a while and you've kind of sat on the sideline and you've, you've taken the pulse of who we are and what, we, what we're about. I, I wonder this morning if God wouldn't have a few more people jump in on that new members class. Why? Because church matters. You know, sometimes it's hard. Anytime we, 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 we leave a church or move a church, you know, my own family went through this uh, to a certain extent or I watch parts of my family go through this, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. But just because something with the old church went wrong doesn't mean that my opportunity to be a real vibrant part of a church is over. It can't be. Why? Because church matters. This is the mission that matters. This is where God is working. He has said, I will build my church. So you've been here for a while. I, I, I wonder... Who the Holy Spirit might nudge to say, you know what? You need to be a part of that new members class. You, you need to get back engaged with the mission that matters. Be a part. Might I simply say as well, be here. Hey, church matters. Church matters. Be here. Oh, I know life is busy. I know the kids have sports. and I know... Work and overtime and sickness. And by the way, if you're sick, stay home. Please, I don't want it, right? We 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 ought to fellowship and share a lot of life together, but don't share your illness, stay home. Oh. But be here. Can I add one more word to that? Be here often. You say, Well, preacher, no no no, that's biblical. Be here often. You say, Preacher, how is that biblical? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. What is that, guys? That is simply what? Oh, come on. We know what it is. What is it? It is It's church. It's Christians coming together, right? Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Now I'm going to ask you to do some critical thinking. Are we closer to the return of Christ or farther from the return of Christ? Are are the signs of the time clearer than they ever have been? I, I mean, help me. Is the world getting better or getting worse? So it is not the preacher's opinion. It is biblical that as we see the day approaching, we should be doing what so much the more? Assembling together. Or to put it in the modern vernacular coming to church be here be here often it's the mission that matters you know one of the things that I want to see our church do more of this year I want to see our church pray more pray more together I'll get there in a minute but, you know, it wouldn't kill some of us to be back on Wednesday night. I, I know we watch. I know, I know during certain seasons if uh, some of our senior saints don't drive at night or drive in the snow, I'm not, I'm not saying endanger the public safety. Please don't do that, all right? But I am saying some of us can be here and we're not. Be here. Be here often. Why? Because church matters. It is the mission that matters. I want to be a part of what God's doing, don't you? And He has said, I will build my church. Number one, we see the message that matters Jesus is the Christ. It's that simple. He's the Son of the living God, He's the answer. We see the mission that matters. Christ has promised that he will build his church. i got one more. You've listened so well this morning. Verse number 18 again. The Bible says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We see not just the message. We see not just the mission. But we see the movement that matters. Church is not a country club. Simply meaning, the church does not exist for the comfort of its membership. The church is not here to serve you. The church is here to come alongside you and help you, rejoice with you, mourn with you, strengthen you, but the church does not exist for you. The church is His people for His purpose. His people for His purpose. His people. For his purpose. He is making us. So that we can make a difference. But here's the question. What are we doing? I ask you personally to ask. How am I being a part of helping the church make a difference? How am I being a part of helping the church make a difference. Yes, yeah, be here. That's important. Be here often. That's important. But I'll give you another thought along this line. Don't just be here, be involved. Be involved. Be involved deeply. Now, the church is not called, like I said, to be a country club. The church is also not called to circle the wagons and simply hold the fort till Jesus comes. Oh, it's so hard out there. Oh, there's so much evil. This is a day of oppression unlike any the world has ever seen. We'll just hold till Jesus comes. You ain't going to find that here. We're not called to circle the wagons. We're called to storm the gates of hell. We are called to take the redemptive work of Jesus to a world in ruin. We are called to go into the strongholds of Satan and rescue the perishing. When we do the Lord's work the Lord's way, what Jesus teaches us, that the very gates of hell can't stop us. The power and the protection and the presence of the forces of hell cannot stop what God's people do. Now, They may try to intimidate us. They may try to infiltrate us. That's one of their tactics that's fun. They may try to impede us. They may try to ignore us. They may try to invalidate or cancel us. But God's work done God's way cannot be stopped. So church, you know what we're going to do? We're going to charge the gates of hell while we can. You know what we're going to do? We're going to rescue the perishing while we can. You know what we're going to do? We're going to stand up. We're going to be the pillar and ground of truth for this community. Because this is the movement that matters. Now when I talk about movement, here's what I want you to see this morning. That we are called to do this together. To be a mighty movement of men and women. We are called to do this together. Now there is just something about coming together to do the work of the Lord. Jesus taught this. Jesus taught that there is just something about prayer when two or three come together. Matthew 18 and verse number 19, look what Jesus said. And I say again, I say unto you, that if two of you, shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done of them, of, for, for them, of my Father which is in heaven. There's just something about when a couple believers get together and pray. That's why we have prayer on Wednesday nights, because there's just something about when we do it together. There's just something about when we do it together. There's just something about... Not just prayer when two or three come together. There's something about God's presence when two or three come together. The very next verse, verse number 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Something about God's presence when we come together. Something about God's power when we come together. Over in the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse number 24, we see this. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And they prayed for a couple verses there. And then verse number 31, look what happens. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness church matters and what we do as a church matters and it's so important that we take this season and we recognize we've got to live for what matters because so much of what we call church so much of what the world assumes as church really isn't church at all It really isn't. It's all this peripheral stuff. So much sometimes of what we ask of church isn't even church at all. Let me ask you how much of what we do is eternal? How much of what we do is invested in that which will truly last forever? It's important to consider because everything else will dissolve and pass away. Second Peter 3, beginning in verse number 10, Peter reminds us, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Look what he says. What manner of persons ought ye be in all holy conversation and godliness? Church, instead of a movement for ourselves, which, you know, sometimes we're, we're going to do some things this year. We'll talk about it at our business meeting. We're going to update some things. It's going to be great. But our movement shouldn't be for ourselves. By the way, I'll mention this as well while I'm here. Not only should our movement not be for ourselves, we we shouldn't have a movement against ourselves. In other words, you know, sometimes people plus personalities yields problems, right? And we have a hard time reaching out there because we're in here. This movement shouldn't be against ourselves. We shouldn't be biting and devouring one another. Let's move forward for what matters. His people, His purpose. Christian, are you living for what matters? Church, are we living for what matters? I want to speak just a moment to those here who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want you to understand this morning, and I ask the Lord, open your heart ever so ever so clearly to this, that that everything you are and everything you will ever be for eternity to come comes down to how you answer the question, who is Jesus? And who is Jesus to me? You know, there's a lot of opinions out there. I kind of picture it like the price is right. You ever seen the price is right? You know, they'll have that item up there. How much is it? And half the crowd's yelling, $29! Half of them yelling, $75! Half of them yelling, $1! And uh, they're just yelling and yelling and yelling and yelling, and everybody's got opinions, but the only one that matters is the one on the stage. I'm gonna tell you, there's a whole lot of opinions out there, but between you and God, the only one that matters is how you answer that question Who is he? Who is he to you? you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus I want to encourage you in just a moment we're going to have what's called a time of invitation an opportunity for us to respond and it's an opportunity for you to respond to receive the Lord Jesus I I want to invite you to get my attention Well, we'll have somebody a man if you're a man, a lady if you're a lady take God's word and show you how you can come to know the Lord Jesus for who he is, the Christ the son of the living God All you will ever be for now and eternity to come comes down to how you answer that question. He came to you. He came for you. He died for you. He rose for you and he longs to save you. You're here this morning without Christ. I invite you. I implore you. Would you come? Would you receive him today? For Christian as we look at this time of invitation as well, I have to ask us. Are we living for what matters? If, if you're anything like me, I want to. I want to. But so often, I fall short. Why? Because when I consider the things that matter, it, you know, it's easy to take it for granted. It's so easy to know it matters and to know it's there and just take it for granted. It's, boy, sometimes it's easy to slide into low gear. Especially sometimes those of us who've been around a little while. You know, it's easy to dilute what matters with so much other stuff. Excuses aside, are you living for what matters?